continue in worship. If you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, or you can use your bulletin insert, turn with me to uh, John chapter 12. This morning we are continuing our study of John's Gospel. And I just want to remind you that we are simply scratching the surface as we study this book. We're only having eight sermons, and so I want to encourage you to study the passages in between. So last week, Barry preached on John chapter 8. This week, we're in John chapter 12. And there's a lot that has happened in between. And so I would encourage you to go back and read those passages, to study them on your own. If you want to go deeper, I would point you towards a resource by James Montgomery Boyce's commentary that goes deeper. And if you want to know more information about that, I would point you to Robert Leslie, who can give you some more information about that resource. With that being said, our text this morning is John chapter 12, verses 27 through 36. And before I read this passage, I just want to give you a brief word of context, and that is that earlier in chapter 12, we find the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And so what we find here is in the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. And interestingly enough, Jesus is interacting with the crowds, and this is the last time Jesus interacts with crowds before he goes to the cross. So we want to pay attention to how Jesus says to the crowds. Before I read our text, let me pray for that. Would you with that? Gracious God, you have told us that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Father, would you sanctify us in truth for your glory's sake? says, Now is my Savior. So what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had done so. Others said an angel has spoken to them. Jesus answered, This voice has come not for my sake, but it's come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. But the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of Soldiers, and how and why they're there, and what their purpose is in life. 
for example, the U.S. Marines have this as their mission statement. As America's expeditionary force in readiness since 1775, the U.S. Marines are forward deployed to win our nation's battles swiftly and aggressively in times of crisis. We fight on land, sea, and air, as well as provide forces and detachments to oversee the ground operations. Pretty specific led Lieutenant General Leslie Brown to say this, we have only one mission to perform, that is fight and win, and we must do it better than anyone else in the world. In the text before us, we find a statement to that effect, but it's not the purpose of the mission, it's the purpose of Jesus. Our passage begins with Jesus saying, now is my turn to pray, and what shall I say? For this purpose, I have come to this world. We see here the utter distress that Jesus is in. His soul is crushed. This must be God's punishment. The scholars debate exactly what Jesus is doing. One option is that Jesus is kind of asking a hypothetical question. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And while that is certainly possible, it doesn't seem likely because Jesus right after
Is this the same response that you have? In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of a job loss, or a cancer diagnosis, or some bad news from a family member, are we saying, God, the world finally hates me? Or are we thinking, God, I'm so sorry. On the flip side, in the good times, when we get that promotion, when we graduate high school and have some other good news, are we saying, Father, glorify your name? Or are we saying, Lord, for you, glorify your name? Tells us that the whole point of him coming was to go to the cross, and the whole point of the cross was really for our salvation. But how did that happen? How is God the Father glorified in this failure? Essentially, he just answered it. The response to his plea to the Father about glorifying the Son's name, God the Father responded. He says, I have glorified it, and I will the Father already glorified His name through Jesus? Well, think back to Jesus' birth. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, what did they say? Glory to God in the highest. Jesus lived on earth as He performed miracles as He preached the good news of Jesus. Certainly, the Father glorified Him. And He will be glorified again in the future when Jesus comes. This is a way Thank you. 
was a reminder to what the world ultimately needs is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it leads us to ask an important question about the church. Are we together for the conversion of the world? One way to be sort of bold is to ask the question, is everyone for whom I am praying to come to know the Lord and to be converted to Christ? How many people are there? See, if we really believe that the cross brings judgment to the world, then what we should be doing is praying that God would raise up a good cross that we would have opportunities to be a part of that cross. The Father is glorified in the judgment that Christ brings because it magnifies His power. God takes sin seriously. And while He isn't delighted in judgment of the world for sin, He is glorified because it shines a light on His justice and that sin doesn't get to be The second way he is glorified is because the cross defeats Satan. Look with me at the middle of verse 31. Jesus says, Now will the ruler of the world be cast out. The ruler of this world is none other than Satan. The cross of Christ brings a fatal blow to our greatest enemy, the devil. The cross is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 where God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The heel bruises, heel bruise is a Jesus centered phrase. Where the cross led to the fatal and mortal wound for Satan. And even though Satan hasn't been fully and finally defeated, he still has been defeated at the cross. In Revelation 12, we find an apocalyptic depiction of this reality. And here Satan's depicted as a dragon. And in Revelation 12, starting in verse 7, we read this. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for him in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil or Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power, the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, it might be tempting for us to think, well, this is talking about the defeat of Satan before God even created the world. And then Satan and his angels and demons are cast out of heaven. But that can't be the case, because verse 11 says that they were defeated by what? The blood of the Lamb. It's talking about the cross. You see, at the cross, Satan is defeated. He was bound. He can no longer deceive the nations like he has. And he's still real yet. But you can find people in the past that he has been defeated. And when Jesus comes back, he will be fully and finally defeated. Without one offer, it is 
seems to be getting worse and worse. But the cross is not a joke. And as you see in the story of the Bible, you see that indeed it's not a joke. The defeat of Satan certainly is one that is
and in all of our lives. In other words, all types of people, rich and poor, free and forgiveness, people from different ethnicities, from different countries all around the world, from different times, and forward, Christ came, Christ came up until the moment that Christ comes back. All types of people will be brought to Jesus through the cross.